welcome to Reading Between the Wines. Um, I'm here in an unusual <laughs> venue with Cassie and Jen tonight. Say hello, ladies. Hey. Hello. So we were going to record tonight at a local pub, but we got there and it was very busy and we've decided to decamp like a bunch of teenage girls to my bedroom. <laughs> So we're sitting on the bed in my bedroom and we've all got a lovely glass of wine and a plate and our food tonight has been provided by the wonderful company called Movable Feast and it's a charcuterie box and we'll put some photos up but it's got crackers, bread. I mean it looks amazing. It's gorgeous, it's like a work of art, um, cheeses, a whole jar of violet fig and shallot chutney. Um, olives, grapes, um, some rosemary. Is that rosemary? Yes. And it's just absolutely stunning. So we're going to dig into that. And we've had a few little nibbles while we've been discussing what we're doing. <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, highly recommend. And they do like take out charcuterie boxes and they do catering for bigger parties and stuff. It would be ideal for like a wedding. Uh, yeah, or I'm a definitely party. kind of thinking, you know. Easter get together. Mm. I could happily get well, a couple of these. Ready done I for would you. just you don't have to make anything yourself. It's just. I would amazing. just get this and eat it all myself. myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Stop sharing to it. Be honest, I don't invite anyone. Just I am going to climb into your bed and just sit with this on my knee. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, you'll have to fight me for <laughs> it. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. So um, we'd just like to remind everybody that our previous episodes are available on Podbean and um, we are going to review tonight's book in a little while and there are going to be a couple of spoilers in there. So if you haven't read it, we'll try to keep it to a minimum and not really ruin your enjoyment of the book, which is Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellers. And... Um, by coincidence, Jen has bought a wine that I stood and gazed longingly at mm-hmm. earlier this evening. So would you like to tell us about the wine? And I mean, how weird's that? So mm. it, it, I struggled for a wine with this one. I mean, pairing a wine with a book, as I've said in previous episodes, is like, who does that, like, in real life? So I kind of just looked this at... This is real life. Well, it is real life. <laughs> but who pairs a wine with a book? So... The first kind of thought came to me is, okay, the book's set in New York. Well, New York is not known for being a wine-producing state. I mean, you do get wines in New York State and Washington State. So that was going to be my initial thing. Then partway through the book, they visit France and drink a Malbec. And to me, you know, Malbec, we all think of like Argentina and and, um, Chile mainly, but actually it originates from France, from Cahors. So I was like, okay, we'll do a Cahors Malbec. Great, love a Cahors Malbec. That's where it originates from. They don't produce a great deal anymore. So really highlighting that wine. But then (laughs) I was in Aldi (laughs) looking for the Cahors Malbec that I wanted and came across they had an offer on the Pomerol reduced from £20 to £10. So, I mean... It may not be there when this episode gets aired, but I'll put it on the that Facebook bargain, group. That is isn't it? I'll put it in the Facebook group as the weekend wine that Ruth always reminds me to do. Yes. Bless her. For um, Aldi, that's an expensive wine. It is. Um, but, well, yeah, you can always pick up a bargain. But I did stand there for about 10 minutes at lunchtime today and thinking... Look at that, it's lovely. It's, <laughs> I really fancy that. Because yeah. I was looking for another French wine because you'd said about the Malbec and mm. I was like, I fancy... I don't normally buy French wine. Oh, French wine. Like, 
I, that's my go-to. If I see anything, mm. I'm always French first. Like, ask questions later, if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're too drunk to ask questions later. So, I'll just... <laughs> disclosure here. We've been, we went to the pub... And we had a little glass of something at the pub while we assessed what on earth we were going to do. So, yes. I thought well, that was really good. I was yeah, like, I French first, ask questions you. later. That's yeah. my motto in That's, wine life. I'm going to get that tattooed. And I have to confess. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I have to confess that I'm not a red wine drinker. I have, you know, Jen's poured me a little bit to try. I'm not usually, but I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to give my honest opinion. Um, well, I knew it had to be red wine at some point and that's fine. It's I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I know a lot of people who don't mm, like don't a red. Like I never used to. And but, Cassie yeah. said earlier, I, I'm not keen on a red. I especially don't like the sort of almost Christmas spicy. Yeah, the spicy um, sort of flavour. <laughs> <laughs> dog's just come in. Slapping uh, at uh, Ruth's dog that's just walked in there. Just say hello. She can smell the cheese. Hello. Um, yeah, the Christmas spicy flavour and I would say this is... Uh, it's sort a, of the, it a, is a very yeah. sort of Christmassy, rich, it's complex, deep, complex wine. Mm, I'm just going to pause while I remove this much. Okay, she's going to pause. <laughs> so, can I talk about the wine now? <laughs> What's it called? What's the wine called? Pomelo. <laughs> No, it's not Pomelo. What is it? Pomerol. <laughs> Pomerol. <clears throat> so, Jen, Pomerol. Okay, so, yes. So, this is on offer in Aldi. Probably won't be on offer by the time you listen to this podcast, but hey-ho, snooze you lose. I've gone for the Pomerol, which was not what I was looking for, but it's French, so we're going to go with it, and it's red. I was looking for French red, something a bit different. Pomerol is not that, but I went with instinct. So, Pomerol is from... Bordeaux in France. It is actually one of the biggest names in Bordeaux um, and it's actually the smallest region which is weird because it's a big name but a small region. It's only about 800 hectares. If anyone knows what hectare is please let me know because nope, I have no, no freaking clue but it's small. Um, there's 150 different chateaus in Bordeaux that produce Pomerol so quite small oh, wow. chateaus. They're not big companies. Hmm. So it's really quite exclusive and just well worth a try. It's got really soft tannins, so should really pair with any kind of food. Particularly, I mean, it's we've got a 2016, so it does have a lot of savoury flavours, bit of spice, which will stand up to things like steak, grilled meats. But also it's elegant enough that you could get away with like salmon or cheese. It goes really well mm. with cheese. Because it's got that elegant flavour, but it's also hardy enough that it can just stand up to those, like, big beefy flavours. <laughs> beefy. <laughs> like, she has got a feather up her ass. Monster much beefy crisps. Um, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Yeah. I was going to ask you some stuff about the wine. Yeah. Okay, ask me. Mm. Oh. What we I forgot now. <laughs> oh, I have to say, oh, well. genu- genuinely, I do like that. I don't think it's too, um, too like Christmassy spicy that would usually puts me off like red wine, because I just have like a 
<laughs> shouldn't be saying this, but I just have like a bit of a like um, flashback of being in church and having communion and not liking the flavour of it. Oh, okay. So I just never drank red oh, wine ever okay. since, really. Then since I was like a teenager, but then actually this is quite this is actually quite nice. I've it is a it is a very it's nice, nice. It's very light and easy of... to drink, like compared to really heavy red wine that I've tried in the past. I mean, like... sometimes you get that sort of oaky. So is it the oaky mm. flavour that makes it sort of a bit harsh? And this is mm. quite soft and it's not like smooth, a, isn't it? Like heavy sort of aftertaste. Yeah, so sometimes. That, the tannins in it are, are really smooth, but. You know, we've just said it's a light wine. It's actually 14.5% alcohol. Oh, it's Jesus. It's a really oh, strong okay. wine. We're almost bordering into, like, fortified. It is. It has got quite a sherry taste to it. And it's a big wine. Normally, when you go to the supermarket and buy wine, you're not buying wine from five years ago or six years ago. Yeah, this unusual. is unusual, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, And so I think the... I don't really know a lot about wine, but I would imagine the flavours have had a lot of time to sort of oh, mature. And absolutely. That was why I was stood looking at it for so long, because I was like a 2016 wine. Because I read somewhere that not to buy a 2020 wine because of the lockdown, mm-hmm. and there was issues in harvesting and oh, stuff, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and they would not be able to bring it up to the standard that they would use. Yeah, so I've, I've not been, heard that before. Well, I've that's been good. looking around sense. for a 2019, yeah. looking for anything 2019. So when I saw this in Aldi, I was like, 2016, that's unusual. <clears throat> Honestly, I'm probably going to go back tomorrow and buy 10 bottles yeah, because I, like I think you can... It, and the thing with Pomerol as well is it ages well. So you can keep oh, this. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't. I would just drink this. <laughs> but you can. Why? What are you talking you about? Can keep this. It would, I mean, you could go another 10, 15 years with this wine mm. and it would mm. develop amazingly. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever been able to have No. Them. My poor brother once had um, some wines laid down that were mm. very beautiful wines and we all demolished them one night and yeah, yeah so it was happen. like yeah it was mm-hmm. tragic actually a regret <laughs> oh, God. we enjoyed it at the time oh, they yeah. were beautiful but we weren't appreciating them for what they yeah. were really in a sober state which is what you should be doing is having a sip of a wine which is obviously with a what we're doing now piece of food <clears throat> and mm-hmm. yeah The book. The book, the book. Yeah, um, so we talked a little bit about it briefly in the last episode, but um, we weren't sure what to expect with this one because it was one that was really hyped up on social media, but doesn't always make a brilliant book. It make, means it's a talked about book, but it doesn't always mean that it's a great quality book, which I've had in the past. But I think it's interesting that all of us have like a different take on the book. Um, we've all sort of enjoyed it in our own way, but it's definitely different it's not what I thought it would be but I think that's in a good way so it's basically tells of Cleo and Frank and Cleo's like a 24 year old young person she's moved to New York she's got quite a lot of issues she's um meets Frank Frank's life is full of what she sort of lacks um he offers her like a freedom um and also she needs a green card (laughs) to stay (laughs) in the country um but it's more even though it's sort of centered around this couple that are quite quirky it's kind of more about all of the characters that are um, involved in their life and how Cleo and Frank's relationship kind of affects everybody around them um, for the good and the bad. Um, and, yeah, it's definitely written in a different way than 
most contemporary romances I've ever read or even that's, any romances that I've it's read. It's like an anti-romance almost, mm. isn't it? It's yeah, like, that's um, a good description for it, actually. It's, there's sort of a lot of self-destruction and yeah. um, borderline abuse almost, but it's, it's not heavy it's topics, not, definitely. It's not, it's not hard, you know, yeah, yeah. It's not like, not abuse, but yeah, like, yeah. you know, fractious relationships. I and, think it brings it more into the real world of you can relate to a lot of things in there. Yeah. Not that I want to put in a spoiler, but there was some there's an animal situation that I cried a little bit about. Yeah, yeah there's one yeah. episode in the book, and I don't know what it says about us that we can listen to things going on with humans and just go, oh, oh yes, God, okay, yeah. whatever. But as soon as there's an animal like, involved, no. like, <laughs> yeah, there was, was there was a, a moment in the book that um, I. We all struggled with mm-hmm. it. Was a bit awful. There's also, um, which I don't think is a spoiler alert. There is self harm uh, references and suicide references in the book. So please take care if you're triggered or um, you know anything like that. Um, it, I think it could be quite hard going for somebody. Um, but I I I wasn't keen on this book to start with. I think the first sort of well, the idea of I wasn't keen on the idea of the book, and it took a little while for me to get into because I was a little bit like, "What are you trying to make me listen to here?" But actually, really enjoyed the characters and the characterization and the people in there. Um, it they're, they're like sort of not always likable, are they? But it's fascinating. It's they're definitely well written characters, aren't they? And that you don't like all of them, and they all definitely flawed. have their, their yeah. flaws. And so it's described in the book that each character is described is as, is as painfully relatable as the last. And I kind of think you would take something from each of those characters that would relate to you, really. So um, there are they're written well. Yeah, they are written well, and they're sort of it's difficult to relate to some of them because it's a lot of sort of new york party scene mm-hmm. they're doing <clears throat> drugs they're um yeah sort of a lot of self-obsessed characters in there mm. um i thought it i described it to you a lot as um sex in the city but without the milona blanics <laughs> um, yeah mm-hmm. it's got a glamorous side in some ways yeah. but it's also very much like, about the underbelly yeah. it's the kind of the reality of that and... party scene it yeah. doesn't pull any punches yeah. there's definitely um, some grit in there isn't there I who was your favourite character? Well, I don't know about favourite character. I, I guess with Cleo I just I did sort of feel for her. I felt like she's such a damaged sort of character and I I felt sad for her, but I feel like yeah, I don't know. I I liked her as a character. I just I feel like I wanted to know more all the time about her. I think I felt for her the most. I was kind of ident- not identified with her the most, but she was just so naive and vulnerable and I just wanted her to find this perfect life for herself she needed and, yeah. frank to be like a father figure to yeah. her almost didn't she, she i definitely got that there was one um scene in the chapter <clears throat> where they went for dinner with her parents almost mm. and frank kind of stood up for her and that resonated mm. with me because i've had a similar situation and it's yeah someone just like wading in and being like no we're not going to mm. accept this mm. and i for me my favorite character is him because he just stepped up yeah he definitely he was he is very much a father Mm -hmm. figure to her and in that scene there where her parents who obviously don't care about her he 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 really does 
Mm-hmm. He's, he's everything you want Ex- a partner to be yeah, yeah. at that moment. Um, and well, not take over and be like condescending, but just stepping up and actually take making a stand yeah. about that. And I really love that. My favourite character was Eleanor. Yeah, she's like her. the sort of love rival, but she's more from that less sort of upper class, middle, upper yeah. middle class, whatever. She's, well, she, yeah, she's more down to earth. And uh, my, when I absolutely fell in love with her was um, the moment where she was trying to like tamp down a panic attack by naming cheeses, as many cheeses <laughs> as she could I mean, think of. I mean, you know. Uh, this is something we all need to take on board. <laughs> just... I could do it with wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheese, wine, um, biscuits, you know. Anything. Really? I just thought that was brilliant. And there was there was a couple of bits of um, sort of insight into her and there was almost sort of the author reaching out to tell you how to live your life and I, I just thought they were lovely, um, really good. And, what was weird, I thought, was that Eleanor's bit, and also, is it Alexis, the Russian guy or the Ukrainian um, guy? Is he Alexis? I can't think of the name. Anyway, yes. And- <laughs> is it not Andres? Uh, no. I can't Andres. remember. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were the only characters the written in the first person, so you were hearing what they thought and what they did, and I thought it was really weird. Mm. The, the the title characters Cleo and Frank kind of weren't back written there. in the first person, but these side characters were. It was I yeah, found it, was it one really of the first odd books that I've read where the side characters have like more of a definitive role than the main characters. Sometimes, like I yeah. wouldn't describe Cleo and Frank as the main characters in a lot of ways, no. even though the book's called Cleopatra and Frankenstein. It's more it's how like a... their relationship affects like their whole circle of friends. But I wonder and why the author thought to do it that way around because <clears throat> you sort of you see and hear the thoughts, the direct mm. thoughts of the side. Well, Eleanor becomes a bit more involved, and that's I'll let you get to the end of the book for that. Um, but it was really weird that you sort of and because it was written in the first person, which sometimes can make that person feel a bit showy or like mm. I, I don't know but you related because you could see inside the heads more but whereas yeah. Cleo and Frank were sort of narrated like from outside in the third person I was it was I a weird idea I don't feel like I ever really understood Cleo and Frank to a level that I wanted to I was yeah. like there's so many things I don't know mm, I think whereas the other characters I felt like I knew them yeah, better that's true, I think, like I think it's because of that mm-hmm. the way that they're done a disclosure here, and Jen hasn't finished the book. Busy mum lives, busy mum lives. But I will. When you well, no, and what do you you did say you would like to. You know, oh, it's not definitely. because you're not enjoying no, it. It's just life will. gets in the way, and you're gonna finish it. But I think when you get to the end of the book, it sort of ties up all the sort of why because the book's a little bit aimless, isn't it? Nothing. Mm. It's sort of you like happening. kind of yeah. there's there's not a definite plot. Well, there is though. When you get to the end, it's like oh makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's why and yeah, um, mm. it's definitely worth persevering with. Yeah. Um, and I think once you get a little way into it, you'll you'll start enjoying it. And um, we were saying the way that it's written is a bit different than like your conventional book. You know, start middle end. It's has sort of whole chapters where it's just little paragraphs of just people's thoughts or little people's past experiences in the childhood, which is a bit 
different but actually it does add to the story it does add to you learning more about those characters and why they feel mm. why they act the way they act why they feel the way they feel it's just different so you'll have to show me that in the actual text because as mm. usual i've listened to this at work on audible and i think i've missed out on some of that unusual yeah. structure yeah. because it, that hasn't come across to me in the reading of it obviously it's been it sort of jumps from character to character and it's just little pastiches of these people's lives i love that word pastiche. oh pastiche <laughs> <laughs> pastiche i always envisioned pistachio i've no idea oh. <laughs> You've shown me up to Sorry. be a complete charlatan using words that I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what they mean. Like a pastiche, like a... Oh, God. I'm just Sorry. flipping through the book trying to, find, oh, trying to find these paragraph bits that I find really, like, unusual. So, I love that. So the oh, chapters yeah. are, like, in a, 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 actually titled for, like, months of the year, aren't they? Which I've mm-hmm. realised now. I would have read it at the time, but looking back, I've forgotten about that. But, yeah, it's like... Um, say October there's like so many different little mini paragraphs oh, um, yeah. just explaining more but I guess when you listen to it on audiobook it'll feel different to that but it's just like yeah, some that of them didn't, just that seem quite pointless like I got an email from Frank it says you could call it the guillotine oh, I but I love that any, like, I love that I just wasn't sure I, don't know, I just wasn't sure on it I, I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure on this I kind of feel I'm a bit 50-50 with it oh, I think it whether came, I like it I that it came across like it. completely different in yeah. the in the audio the woman who read the audio the audible did she annoy you again she annoyed me again <laughs> um, she was reading it like it was the poem so she was like and she stepped onto the underground I think you need mm. to read audiobooks well I'm just like because I, I, I'm sort of rereading it in my head thinking you don't need to put all that emphasis in there <laughs> you know like it's not a poem it's, really it's like you put the food on the table it's not you put the food on the table it's like no, just read yeah, it nice. she did do like a brilliant school, she it? did do brilliant really subtle accents all the way through though oh, um right. she sort of yeah not completely not overplayed it was mm. it was she was very good you could mm. tell which character was talking all the time but there was no need for all the arty fartiness um <laughs> in the in the delivery i'm just gonna have a look to see if i can find mm. some of the eleanor's bits near the end which were just really beautiful but i really liked that mm. little bit because i found found that you could get to know the character really quickly mm-hmm. yeah and it just gave a lot of information in a short space of time I definitely felt I didn't um, fully like get into the book quite. It was took me a long time to. I could have actually left it at one point, maybe the first few chapters. I just wasn't well, gripped I, at all. But I then felt it, like a grower of a book. Yeah, it you, grew. You invest uh-huh. in the characters a little bit and you get to know. <laughs> Part, yeah. 
Well, not a lot of sex, and it's not sort of like graphic sex scenes yeah. or anything. But there's, there's the what is the guy, the Russian guy, the the gay guy, and who is that? Isn't it Andres? Isn't there an Andres who sleeps an with Anders. everybody? Yeah, there's an Anders. Anders. Yeah. Uh, what's her best friend called? Who's who's gay? Oh. Quentin. Quentin, yeah, yeah there's Quentin. Quentin. He's he and the Santiago as well, who's the chef. He's not gay. He's not gay, but he's a chef. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to say there's quite a bit of sex in the book. <laughs> I just which is it's fact. So Quentin is Cleo's gay best friend at the beginning of the book, and he meets up with a guy, and they go and there's a couple of little scenes where there's some stuff going on there. Um, (laughs) You didn't say the word, Ruth. Stop it! What can you do? He was a chef. He had a restaurant. He was a side character and he was got a nice bloke. It just feels weird because some of the characters are not as strong as others, but yet they all contribute something, but... It's not less really, yeah. it? it's it's really chemistry. Well, we are struggling to yeah. say, and I knew we would struggle. When I was listening to it, I was like, how are we going to talk about this on the podcast? Because it's, it's sort of, I don't know how to describe it. I have enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed listening to it. Well, not thoroughly enjoyed. I wasn't offended by it in the slightest. It was not my Mo- favourite book. Enjoyed. Moderately enjoyed it. But... There's not very much you can talk about in it. I mean, would uh, you agree with all the hype? Like, people say no. it's the hottest book of the year. It, no. You know, uh, it's tender, devastating and funny. I, I would possibly it, agree with it, that. What, <laughs> but I once I got to the end and it enough. kind of... The sort of end sort of was... It, it was a good end. Do you know what I mean? It kind mm. of pulled the point of the whole book together. But to go through the whole book to get to there, where you kind of... Sorry, excuse me. Were you kind of like, mm. where are we going with this yeah. story? Yes, it's vaguely interesting yeah, and the characters are good. Vaguely but... interesting. I was vaguely invested in what would happen, but I wasn't strongly not invested plot. in it. I wasn't like, oh no. my gosh, I can never put this down. But I yeah. can see the skill of the author in those right, the writing of the characters. Oh, it was beautifully written. It was beautifully Absolutely written. Absolutely beautifully written, skillfully, but... Like, was it mm, enough to be interesting? Yeah, yeah for me, it's not a page turner where I think no. <clears throat> I can't sleep till I've read the next chapter. I need to know what's mm. going to happen next. It was like, no, there was none oh, of that. I'll put it down mm. for a week and then, okay, I'll try and pick it back up again. Yeah, mm. that was it for me. It was hard to actually pick it back up mm. sometimes when nothing really was happening dramatically and I just thought, oh, do I have to open this book? But then actually when yeah. I did, usually I reasonably it's, enjoyed it. It's, but... it's a good read, but not something that you think, mm. I can't wait to read the next chapter. It was yeah. like, there was no excitement there. Was, there. Yeah. there was none of that sort of <clears throat> pulling you through and what's going to... Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Was... wine where I could have oh, another glass. Like... <laughs> <Have> you... <laughs> I did steal the bottle. Can I have that back? I'd really be interested to see what people thought of it. I really would. I wonder if some people will really be strongly for it or against it or everybody feels a bit like us that it's just somewhere in the middle of good points. I think it's probably going to be a bit of a Marmite book. I think Mm. some people are going to absolutely love it. And I think that's probably what you've seen on social media. Mm. 
and some people are going to be really triggered by it and just like what's the point it's definitely different there's so many like romance books out at the moment that they're just ten a penny well, that you know and you call it a romance book That's but it's it, that romantic really it wasn't very romantic I and i would i would never read anything mills and booney yeah, or yeah. i'm gonna say try to say it again this episode chick Lit. Chick lit, yeah. I'm not a chick lit fan either. But this, like... this wasn't that. And it, yeah, it had sort of the... It was a little bit Donna Tartt-esque hmm. in the characters and the sort it's of... got an edge to it. And yeah, an edginess mm-hmm. and beautifully written. But there wasn't enough, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Yeah. No, there was none of that. And I think it's a, it's a book that people will feel... It's hard to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, an opinion of anything it's yeah. kind of an it was a bit meh it's kind of definitely not for your mills moon fan that want like a soppy thing it's definitely oh, no, not your fan like... of it's not for somebody who likes just a contemporary romance that's just quite nice to read mm. <laughs> like i would and it's, it's not like, quite harsh it's read. not a sexy book either is it where yeah. you're sort of like oh this is a bit of really making your anything. veins throb or anything like that it's not <laughs> Sometimes oh. you want to read like Fifty, Sh- 50 Shades oh, of Grey, where you're going to read not... it to get titillated. Yeah. It's I mean, not going to give you that. Well, hang on. <laughs> well, yes, I know, but it's true. It's not going to. It's not going to get your blood racing. It's not one of them. No, no. no. So yeah, thankfully. So I was thinking of doing a thing where we try and think of a word that describes our experience oh, okay. of reading. I like that. I like that. I do like that idea. Now it's just now, but now that I've dropped it on you, what are you going to say? Yeah, like uh, have a little think. <laughs> oh, too difficult. Oh, in a sentence. Well, I thought you could say in a sentence. In a sentence, yeah. Um... <laughs> no, where we've taxed like, ourselves too far. Well, I want to say sort of like it's it's gritty, it's humorous, and it's also gritty. It's tender, devastating, <laughs> and funny. No, yes. Said who? Said, Said Sunday Sunday Times. Times. <laughs> I just, I, I actually struggled to put it into something that I can say about mm. it. I just wasn't. If I'm passionate about a book, I certainly can put it into a sentence or no. a few words that I think, oh my gosh, that was really dumb. Well, I think that sort of sums it time. up when none of us are passionate about <laughs> I think it, the really, word is are we? Meh. Meh. That yeah. was going to be my word as well. Yeah. I didn't dislike it. It was beautifully written. It yeah. didn't float my boat, really. Yeah. Each of the own. However, it, if she would like to do a book about Eleanor mm. or another character in that sort of vein, I would read yeah, the hell out skills, of that. definitely got skills. It was... A good writer, and so. the... Um, Whoever the Russian gay guy was was but fantastic. We that we can't remember who, whatever his name was. <laughs> Forgettable character. He was he was wonderful. It was just like yeah. really gritty, really first person in his head. Loved that. Loved Eleanor because it was first person in his head. The rest of the characters not so much. Mm. I don't. We haven't even talked about Zoe. Like she was I'd quite yeah, a big character the, in there. She was. Yeah, we've she was. Kind of forgotten. So... And I think oh, the word for me, forgettable. Forgettable. There yeah. was a theme of like a weird theme I can just of like sugar them. daddies and yes. a lot of it was money related. Thinking back, like there was Frank that was keeping Zoe, sugar wasn't gliders. she? And there was sugar gliders as well. <laughs> but there was like sugar daddies and sugar gliders. Sugar, well, there you go. There's, yeah, a, there's a, a summary. sentence to summarize yeah. it up. But yeah, there was a lot of theme of people sort of like not you know like well people aspiring to wealth and being successful people 
coming from nothing. You know, she was landing in New York they with absolutely had a nothing. Bit, well... There was Frank keeping Zoe and giving her money to sustain her lifestyle. Then she met a friend in a yoga class that was telling her that she should have a sugar daddy and that should be what she needs. It was just so maybe the, the whole thing of like people you know, paying for sex as aspiring well. Aspiring like, to wealth is actually doesn't bring wealth. Well, I think happiness. I think that was kind mm-hmm. of the the background thread of it that actually all of the money and wealth and parties and stuff just is is hollow mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually there's they, they do all sort of grow up in the end and realize that there's more and mm-hmm. Eleanor sort of brings about that there's more to life than that and so I think she has grasped a... the meaning a little bit more than mm-hmm. we think maybe and I think she, Eleanor's probably then quite a pivotal character in the whole I absolutely thing. loved Eleanor in it I thought she brings bits... everybody yeah. rushing down into this like realistic world yeah she does she's well she's the kind of idea of Eleanor I think is that she comes from a loving family and this is what all of these they messed want, up they want wannabes yeah. haven't got and they want that mm-hmm. no yeah well it's got us talking hasn't it yeah yeah so it's been interesting I was worried that we weren't going to be able to talk about yeah, it I was, I was worried about it I was then. really trying struggling to think of things to say about it and have we enjoyed the wine Oh my goodness, it's absolutely oh, gorgeous. Even I have enjoyed it. It is well. absolutely delicious. Cassie's put her cider down to drink the <laughs> wine. <laughs> Don't tell the others. Shh. <laughs> the, um, it's it, quite a treat. I It feels like a Christmas mm-hmm. wine to me. A, a, yeah, a treat mm-hmm. wine, something. And it, I mean, it's 14.5%. Like, this is a big... Although it's elegant because it's Merlot, so you would never expect that from a Merlot. You'd expect it to be like light and fruity. Fourteen and a half percent is a massive kick. Like it's, it's huge. It's on the edge of a sherry, isn't it? Just it's a little huge. bit. Yeah. And I love a sherry at Christmas. Sherry wine. and we have cheese in front of us, which is my absolute weakness. So And I need it's... to talk about the punt of the wine as well, because I feel like the punt well, gets left. Please out. tell people what the punt so, is. Okay. So the punt, when you pick up a wine bottle, obviously if it's flat bottomed. <laughs> I feel like we're going into like bake off territory. <laughs> <laughs> Soggy you don't want a soggy bottom. <laughs> so if it's flat bottomed, obviously it's a what we would class as like a cheaper bottle of wine because it's a very generic bottle. Like it's not cost a lot to make. Mm-hmm. When you, it's really hard to describe on a podcast without. I'm normally showing someone, mm-hmm. but when you feel the punt, <laughs> okay, there's some depth there then the punt good... is the the delve on the <laughs> bottom <laughs> the punt is the delve on the bottom of the, the bottle, bottle where so the they deeper, would sort of stack the bottles the together the, well the deeper the punt <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would almost think it's better quality wine because as a sommelier when you're pouring the wine you should ideally have your thumb <laughs> when you're pouring a wine in a restaurant you want the <laughs> the delve in the bottom of the bottle <laughs> to be sufficient enough that you can hold it and pour the wine yeah respectfully <laughs> without smut <laughs> well slopping it. we will take <laughs> <laughs> we will take a picture of this nice deep punch <laughs> and share it with our listeners <laughs> punch galore <laughs> 
Did you it is. The outtake's going to be longer than the flipping podcast. Bottomless book. <laughs> next month's book so we've had quite a selection of different ones obviously over the episodes we've done we've gone from sci-fi to general fiction we've now gone for like contemporary romance so we thought we'd ring the changes with a thriller and the thriller is called strange sally diamond by liz nugent um don't know much about the book i have to say um but i just thought we'd go for something different um that we haven't gone before for fans of Eleanor Oliphant, if you've read that by Gail Honeyman, or oh, The Maid that, by Nita yeah. Rose. The Maid is absolutely brilliant, as is Eleanor Oliphant, actually. I hated oh, Eleanor Oliphant. Like <laughs> oh. I, I detested every second of yeah, that book, and like I've it. pushed for this, know, Sally Diamond. We have oh, to no. give it a good go. It has had really good reviews, and it's... So did Eleanor Oliphant. Yeah, it's not for everybody, but I have to say, I did really like Eleanor Oliphant as well. I like both of them. The Maid it. is brilliant as well. I was Any, angry. Is it the Maid that's on Netflix? No, okay. that's a different one. It's about a neurodiverse like woman. Okay. It's just very different. Um, it's good. Um, I really like them both. But yeah, Eleanor Oliphant's a bit sad, isn't it? And I, yeah. It was and I crap. don't feel that this has been written up to be sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never been so infuriated. Sorry, Gail Honeyman, if you ever thought about that. Like, I'm sorry. I hated it. I hated it, hated it, hated it. Yeah. This is oh, going to be interesting. Really like I've pushed for this book. I'll flip neck at all on you. Oh, dear. Well, it's a bit, I mean, it's been written up a bit weird. It's, to be honest, I don't, it's we don't not know what to expect. Time. We don't know what to expect. Mm. Um, and it's, yeah, it basically says there's like a woman, there's a neighbour obsessing over her. She's not sure why. She, it's, it's something weird like she, <laughs> she was only, well, basically it was written on the back of the book. She was only doing what her father told her to do, put him out with the rubbish when he died. Now she's the centre of attention from the media and police detectives. Sally steps into the world for the first time, making new friends and big decisions. But who's the man observing Sally from the other side of the world? And why does her neighbour seem to be obsessed with her? Yeah. It's intriguing. It's intriguing. Yeah. intriguing. We'll give it now. Yeah. It might have more of a plot line than Cleopatra and Frankenstein, so I'm all oh. on board. So I'm still glad I've read end. Cleopatra and Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. 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 I am glad. Um, yeah. It wasn't dreadful. But I pushed for this book last month, didn't I? Yeah. I was quite like the idea of this, but now you've put me off it again. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's trying to think of different genres, isn't it? I and mean, I guess we have covered a few and... It might be nice. Thrillers are like I really think popular. It, I so do like. Hopefully, we'll I do like a thriller. Interested. And, and we're that, definitely going to have a wine genre. It's been on well. the Sarah Cox mm. show as well. Um, so it's been um, on the BBC Two show, and they all loved it. So hopefully, we will as well. Thank you. We would like to thank the Movable Feast UK for kindly supplying an outstanding charcuterie box for this month's podcast. Thanks also to Coco Mellis and Harper Collins. And as always, music credit goes to Vitaly Levkin, Lemon Music Studio, Pixabay. Thank you for listening to Reading Between the Wines podcast. For more information, please visit readingbetweenthewines.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Join in the discussion in our private Facebook group, Reading Between the Wines podcast. Or join us on Instagram at Reading Between the Wines 2023. Please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider.